You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us here at Grab Them by the Pod, a Trump political podcast. I am Kevin. Along with me always is Jesse. And we've got some stuff to talk to you about tonight. So, Jesse, have at it. But before we get into the real big issues of the day, got a couple of news and notes we want to go over. First of all, uh, later this week, there's going to be a lot going on regarding the budget, maybe another government shutdown, immigration, DACA stuff. Uh, that's going to happen over the next few days. So we're going to cover that next week. So if you don't hear it this episode, don't think we're not aware of it. We're just saving that stuff. There's going to be a lot to talk about. Uh, so our next podcast will probably be primarily focused on that. Although you never know what could happen next week. There may be even crazier stuff going on. Well, the president would welcome a shutdown over DACA, he says. It's amazing the things that come out of his mouth. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about just very briefly is that Trey Gowdy is retiring. Uh, I want to say, you know, we called him a clown on our last episode, and now he's retiring. Is that is that a coincidence? He must be a listener. He heard the writing on the wall. He heard Jesse can, uh, you know, give that statement, and you know, he took his advice. This is a guy who was obsessed with Hillary Clinton, the Benghazi scandal. Uh, he never. He, he's one of those guys that wouldn't let go. When everybody else is like, "All right, let's move on." She didn't win the presidency. He still was hitting her for it. So there's no loss there. And last, I mentioned this to you a little earlier. I want to give a shout out to a uh, podcast favorite, Harry Enton, who uh, some of you may have read or listened to from Five Thirty Eight. He announced today that he's moving to CNN Politics. So I'm very happy for that. Congratulations, Harry Enton. Harry Enton. He loves dogs. I won't sing the whole song. <laughs> the, the joke is, uh, a year ago, maybe two years ago, uh, someone on the internet put out a different song every single day, uh, put out a song about Harry Enton. I then had Kevin's son sing it, which then Harry Enton retweeted, and it got lots and lots of people. Uh, I think one person actually said, my frozen heart has finally been melted. So. Well, it was a big hit in, uh, in my household for a while there, <laughs> until it became annoying. Uh, <laughs> but, you know... Good for you, Harry. Uh, we look forward to seeing you on CNN. But if I could, for a minute, just get back to Trey Gowdy. Yeah, sure. According, according to an article on The Hill, Gowdy says that he's retiring to go back to being a lawyer. And he's quoted as saying, whatever skills he may have are better utilized in a courtroom than in Congress. And I would ask, what skills are those? Lying? I heard some scary things, and this is just somebody saying this, but these days anybody saying anything, I get afraid that it may actually happen, is that somehow he'll end up being like the head of the FBI or the head of the DOJ or just something insane like that, and uh, then he'll abuse his power to go after political enemies. <laughs> Let's hope. Nothing would surprise me anymore. No, no, no. All right, let's get to the important uh, news of the day, and I want to start out with probably one of the biggest stories of the week. Uh, it's going to be more important, I think, than any of the nonsense we cover about with Trump. Uh, and I don't know if people are really aware of it. Uh, late last month, in a 4-3 decision, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court uh, decided the state's congressional districts violated the Constitution. And these districts have been drawn up by the GOP and were ridiculous. I mean, anybody, if you look at your state's congressional districts, they're like – you know, spirals and and they're they're ridiculous. They're made that way to keep people in Congress safe. Right. It makes absolutely no sense. And which in Pennsylvania is how they had voted for Democratic presidents going back as far as George H. W. Bush. But they have a twelve to five Republican majority in Congress right now. The these districts are drawn like corkscrews. They they're absolutely ridiculous. 
Maybe not for much longer. Uh, as a result of this court decision, 18 districts are going to have to be redrawn prior to the 2018 election, and Democratic Governor Tom Wolf uh, will have veto power over it. And he said he will work with both sides to create a fair map. Uh, it remains to be seen if that happens, but let, let's hope. And uh, you know, due to the makeup of, of Pennsylvania's constituency, which I alluded to a second ago, uh, less partisan districts will likely benefit in uh, more Democrats being elected in November. I mean, this could potentially win back as many as six seats they lost over the past decade. Yeah, you know, and and the term to be used here is called gerrymandering, and it goes back to 1812 when then-Massachusetts Governor Elbridge Gerry oversaw the redrawing of state Senate district maps in favor of the Democratic-Republicans over Federalists. Um, And, you know, to be honest... It hurts democracy when you're purposely putting one party in power over the other and keeping it that way without the will of the people. You're 100% correct. I mean, forget kneeling during a national anthem. Partisan gerrymandering is probably one of the most un-American things you can do. I mean, it's basically a legal way to divert the, way, the will of the people. It's finding a way to get the minority of people sometimes having their voices go over the voice of the majority just by simple drawing lines on a map. It just kind of makes you mad. In my opinion, this redistricting should happen in every state or at least be looked at in every state. And it doesn't matter whether it benefits Republicans or benefits Democrats. It should be done fair. It, you should look at a map and go, oh, yeah. That makes sense. You know, I don't know if it's it's square. But that's probably not realistic, just the way people, uh, you know, in certain areas live. But uh, you should look at the map and say, you know what, this congressional map makes sense, and it's something I probably would have put together. Right. Uh, you know, instead, it ends up looking more like something my three-year-old daughter would have drawn. <laughs> so in an effort to overturn the court's ruling, Pennsylvania Republicans attempted to bring this to the Supreme Court of the United States. Uh, however, Justice Sam Alito declined to hear the case. So, you know, all's well, it ends well, right? Not so fast, Kevin. The state's top Republicans aren't backing down. Uh, the head of the Senate and the head of the House are threatening that they may be compelled to pursue further legal action in federal court. And State Representative Chris Dush has even – I think it's how you say his name, Chris Dush uh, – has even called for the impeachment of five Democratic state Supreme Court members who ruled it, – it's insane. You can't impeach judges because you don't like their, their answer. I mean that's the whole point that they're there. Well, and, and also, you know, we've talked about bipartisanship so much on the show that this is just asking for the Democrats to return the favor when they find themselves in power. We've got to stop doing this. We've got to start seeking more of a compromise solution. You know, frankly, this stuff, it just disgusts me when I see this happen. And again, it doesn't matter whether it's Republicans doing it or Democrats doing it. Democrats have done it in other states in previous years as well. Uh, this isn't a partisan issue. This is, should happen everywhere. Congressional districts have been poorly shaped for too long. It's time for a change. I hope this is the start of a trend. Uh, it's been happening in some other places. I think North Carolina has had some issues too, especially that were highlighted over the past uh, in the 2016 election. And, and I hope we see a change to all 50 states. I mean, this is this is the start of something good, I think. Right. You know, the word democracy comes from the Greek demos and kratia, which is, you know, people and power. The power is with the people. And when you take it out of their hands by drawing districts to keep a certain party in power, the power is not with the people. And that's not how Congress was designed to be. So, you know, we've got to get a better solution here. Well, it'll remain to see how this actually uh, is, is put together. I've seen some maps of how they think it will look, and it looks much better. So uh, stay tuned. This has to happen, I think, in the next couple of weeks or at least the next couple of months. Uh, we only have, what, another 10 months until the election uh, in, in November. So uh, this has to be done sooner rather than later. 
So on to some other stuff. So last Monday, FBI uh, Deputy Director announced that he would be retiring early. That's Andrew McCabe. And this comes after months and months of criticism from Donald Trump. I mean, it's not a huge story that he's leaving. It's a huge story that he's leaving now. Uh, I, I know they've been saying that this has been planned for weeks, that he was going to be leaving eventually. He wanted to stay on and make sure that he got his pension. Uh, but he's leaving now and officially retiring on March 18th. That that's, Something is weird going on, so I don't like it. Yeah, it certainly is fishy here, and we, we've seen that the president has uh, made no bones about being critical of Andrew McCabe, and, and so it would certainly seem that this is what has pushed him out the door. I always like to quote Popeye when, when I say, and that's all I can stand and I can't stand some more. I think you can only be belittled so many times by the president of the United States before you, before you say, screw it, I'm out of here. Uh, I think the problem that Trump has with McCabe started uh, last year when Trump basically just lost his mind when he saw a video of James Comey, who was FBI uh, director at the time, getting on a government-issued plane in California. Uh, this you know, happened right after he was fired. Uh, and, and let's remember, he was actually in California for work, and that's where he found out he was fired on TV. Uh, McCabe told Trump that he didn't know anything about this, but if he had, he would have said okay, because it makes sense. So it, it would just be ridiculous otherwise. So uh, that's when Trump really became despicable, in, in my views. He told McCabe, why don't you ask your wife what it's like to be a loser? And he's referring to his wife, Jill McCabe, who had an unsuccessful run for a political office in Virginia. But who the hell says that? Especially when you're the president, you're talking to somebody you know, in a very high position who works for you, asking, why don't you ask your wife what it's like to be a loser? If I was McCabe, I would have told Trump exactly what I thought about him. I don't care if he's president or not. Uh, but McCabe has a cooler temper than I do. And he simply just said, okay, sir. And then Trump hung up on him. Yeah. Well, when you're the small-minded and vindictive-natured president, then you would say something like that. But, you know, listen, if I was retiring anyway, I probably would have given him a piece of my mind as well. Uh, but apparently, as you said, Jesse, he's a better man than us because he was able to just downplay it, you know, tell the president, okay, thank you, sir, and, you know, end the conversation. But, um, yeah, I, this is certainly not something we want to see, uh, this kind of uh, political bickering and, and causing some of our best and brightest who have served this country so nobly to step down because of partisan uh, bickering. It's, it's ridiculous. And just that these words coming out of the mouth of a president, the president of the United States of America. Sure, you know, we've talked about it before how Republicans didn't like Obama, Democrats didn't like Bush, but none of those presidents actually ever, you know, ever said anything to this level. Uh, there was always kind of that fake, even if you didn't like them, that fake respect they had for each other, for the most part, except for when you know, they yell at you lie to Obama. Uh, but this all caused a very big problem for Donald Trump Jr. Apparently, uh, to use his words, he was very triggered that McCabe would be getting a pension and is convinced that he was fired because of the GOP memo, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. tweeted out, so they will keep him on till then, despite all of this, to make sure the American taxpayer is stuck paying him for the rest of his life. Well, wait a minute. We'll be paying for the mistakes of his father for the rest of ours, so why the heck not? Yeah, you should be less worried about you paying it and more worried about your child, Kevin, having to pay for it. And maybe his children after that. I mean, this is unfortunately have long-lasting ramifications. I mean, let's just look at the two of them, by the way, as, as Donald Trump Jr. is kind of going after Andrew McCabe. McCabe, by the way, he was born in Connecticut. I Sorry, I throw it out there. It's not really important, but you know, we're from Connecticut, so it's a fun thing to talk about. But McCabe has worked in the FBI since 1996. For people who are bad at math, that's 22 years. 
that he's worked in the in the Federal Bureau of Investigations. Don Jr., however, has uh, only worked for dear old dad. He, after college, took a year to screw around and like bartend and stuff, and then he got a job working for his dad. This is the guy that's pissed off at McCabe, who will be getting a government pension that he's earned. Right. Yeah. Don Jr., classic rich kid. Right. Now, I took a year off too, and then I did. It, wait a minute. No, I didn't. I went to work. I got a job, Donnie. I'm not bagging on people who are rich. I'm not bagging on people who go into the family business. But it's how, it's what you do with it. It's how you react. It's the actions that you put off for the rest of the world to see that are important. And Donald Trump Jr. is acting like a guy who has earned everything in his life when he really had everything given to him. I, mean, I don't know what he does on a daily basis, but I'm telling you he wouldn't be in the position in the Trump organization he is right now if his name wasn't Donald Trump Jr., well, apparently, you know, there are more things than that uh, that are hereditary other than just the name. I mean, Donald uh, Sr. was handed down everything he had from his father. So it's just the, the Trump family business. It's, it's the way they operate. Uh, but you would think they'd at least respect those people who have earned things for themselves in their life. Well, I think Donald Trump, uh, the president, has said in the past, like, you know, like I'm, a safe, I'm a self-made man. I only started with a few million dollars, like that kind of thing. That's, that's a small did. loan. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's insane. Uh, and I, I guess uh, the Trumps only value service to America when it's convenient to them or when it benefits them. So last week we also saw the State of the Union, and I don't think we should have to spend too much time on this. Uh, I, I said, I told you, Kevin, I wasn't going to watch it, and, and then I did. Sorry. Right, yeah. You inspired me to watch it for all of about 10 <laughs> minutes in the middle, and that just so happened to be like the worst 10 minutes of it. So I quickly turned it off, read the transcript later. Um, you know, it, it was a State of the Union. I mean, it was basically Trump doing the greatest hits of Trump and talking in a very slow delivery. Now, I don't think that was for effect. I think that he was having trouble reading the teleprompter. Uh, other than the slow reading, he also spent a lot of time patting himself in the back. I mean, he literally clapped for himself throughout the entire speech. And I don't think I've ever seen a president clap for himself. Have you? No, I, I can't <laughs> recall that either. Uh, it's usually good practice to show a little bit of humility and let the other people clap for you. Um, but, you know, everybody's different. And after it was all said and done, obviously, and to nobody's surprise, Trump's claims didn't really stand up to a fact check. The actual website PolitiFact crashed during the State of the Union because so many people were trying to go there and see what was going on. We're not going to go through each and every thing that he lied about or misrepresented. You can check that out yourself. Uh, but this has become a hallmark of the Trump presidency. Trump thinks that just because you say something, that makes it fact. Uh, alternative facts, as Kellyanne Conway would say. And that's simply not the truth, but there's a lot of people out there who just eat up everything he serves and it's well it's, what's hurting us that's the worst part I, I was i was going to suggest as well that he knows there's a base of people out there that will believe it they buy what he's selling regardless of whether or not he knows that it's right or wrong to intentionally lie to the american public he knows that there's people out there that are believing him and so he continues to you know to push to his base and a prime example that happened during i mean this is not in the long run, that big of a deal, but it really speaks to the Trump presidency. Uh, he was recognizing a lot of people uh, who were there as guests or throughout the speech, and one of them was a uh, Homeland Security Special Agent Celestino Martinez. And when referencing, he goes, he goes by DJ and CJ. He said that I can call him either one, so we'll call him CJ. Well, guess what? He doesn't go by DJ. Trump just made a mistake and didn't want to admit it, so he just made up some fake story about calling him DJ or CJ. It's that right there is the epitome of Donald Trump and his presidency. It's insane. 
Yes, the narcissistic personality disorder that is residing at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, again, we say this all the time. Why are we surprised? I don't know. Maybe we're just hopeful, a hopeful couple of guys and, and keep thinking maybe you'll turn it around. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. No, I don't think he will turn it around. I'm waiting for some other people to come to their senses and turn it around for him oh, and for us. I hope so. I hope so. And to anybody who's ever watched State of the Union, regardless of who the president was, you know what the norm is of these things. The president's party repeatedly stands and cheers while the opposing party just sits there and looks annoyed or mad or sad. It happened during Obama's. It happened during Bush's and so on and so on and so on. But does it matter to Trump? Of course not. On Monday, Trump was talking to a group of people. and said that it was un-American and treasonous that some of the congressional Democrats didn't applaud during the State of the Union. Following his claims of lowering the unemployment rates for blacks and Hispanics, Trump actually said... Even on positive news like that, they were like death and un-American. Somebody said treasonous. I mean, yeah, I guess why not? Shall we call that treason? Why not? I mean, they certainly didn't seem to love their country very much. The president just called people traitors for not clapping for him. That's insane. Hey, listen, if we wanted to stand and clap every 10 seconds in the middle of governing, we would all be living in England and be part of parliament. That's not the case here. Standing and clapping is not a requirement. Uh, we do not have to kowtow to the president, especially if we disagree with them. And you know what's treasonous? Treasonous is when you knowingly work with a foreign entity to disrupt the, the democratic uh, workings of the United States. That's treasonous. So let's be careful and tread lightly, Mr. President. Haven't you heard, Kevin? He's been vindicated. No, nothing has been found. I forgot. Sarah <laughs> uh, Kabir Sanders, of course, goes, oh, he was, the president was just joking. The president can't joke about things like that. The president making bad jokes causes wars and stock markets to plunge and things like that, which, by the way, we saw a lot of this week. Uh, we didn't hear any tweets about that. No, but we, we there was a tweet, uh, or I read somewhere today, that uh, – Previously, the president, before he was president, said something about if the stock market drops more than 100 points uh, in a given day, then uh, the president should be you know, shot. Or I don't forget exactly what it was, but the, the stock market dropped well more than 100 points. I think it was 666, if you want to point out a quite ominous number. Yikes. And we mentioned a second ago that Trump said he was vindicated. It all comes when the GOP memo that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks was finally released. Uh, this was a memo put together by our old pal Devin Nunes. Uh, and by the way, both the DOJ and FBI, people who you know run the government for President Trump, people who were appointed by President Trump were against this release of this memo. He didn't care. He released it anyways. Uh, to use a favorite term of Washington, D.C., in my view at least, it was a nothing burger. Yeah, you know, looked like a middle school report, you know, all of about four pages long. I guess you could say it's important in that it could be used to try to get rid of some people in the DOJ and the FBI. But if you actually look at the substance, it was ridiculous. I mean, the memo was supposed to rock Washington to its core. It didn't happen. This memo was trying to claim the FBI's use of surveillance power under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, uh, during the 2016 campaign was, quote, a troubling breakdown of the legal process established to protect the American people from abuses related to the FISA process. But the only example they could find and put actually in the memo was in October 2016, where the DOJ and FBI requested permission to surveil former Trump campaign foreign uh, policy advisor Carter Page. And Kevin, if you look at the words I just said, former is the one that sticks out. If the so-called deep state was to get Trump, when they get somebody who is currently on his team and not somebody who is a former member of the team? One would think that would be a more effective route to take, yes. 
They, they also claim that the FISA application depended on the Steele dossier, uh, which is a document that was put together by a former British spy, Christopher Steele. It was alleging ties between Trump and Russia. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's where the idea of the PP tape came from. Yeah, prostitutes, so golden showers, you know. Yeah. I mean, one of the most – I can't – at that point, it was one of the most insane things I've ever seen related to the president of the United States. Now it's just par for the course. It's amazing how things have changed in a year. Yeah, it really, it really has um, met a loss. Yeah, I mean, this happens more than it should on a podcast. You know, we're supposed to talk, but at a certain point, we're just like, I can't believe I'm actually seeing and reading and hearing the things that I'm seeing, reading and hearing. But now here we are, over a year later, uh, we're still seeing, reading and hearing those things. Uh, the memo actually blows up the entire idea of the memo. Uh, it says that George Papadopoulos' behavior, not Page's, was a reason for the FISA application. Yeah, they forgot to uh, cross-check that part on page four of their little report. You know, Papadopoulos has already admitted guilt in lying to the FBI, so it gives this, you know, the counter-argument teeth that, you know, it was. They were within uh, the right to go after these guys. Just adds to the ongoing incompetence of Devin Nunez, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, but after this memo was released, James Comey tweeted out, that's it, dishonest and misleading memo wrecked the House Intel Committee, destroyed trust in the intelligence community, damaged relationships with the FISA court, and it inexcusably exposed classified information investigation of an American citizen. For what? DOJ and FBI must keep doing their jobs. And he's become a little more outspoken since he left the FBI, and I like it. I love it. Yeah, it's it's made me have a lot uh, more uh, high appreciation for the man. You know, when when the whole uh, Hillary Clinton email investigation opened back up shortly before the election, I I was pretty upset with James Comey. But I I see it um, in a different light now. And uh, certainly I can appreciate this when it comes to talking about President Trump. What does my T-shirt say, Kevin? Comey is your homie. Comey is my homie. That one uh, never gets old, unless something else horrible happens, and I'll have to just trash it. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, so since all this has happened, the House Intel Committee has approved the release of the Democrats' memo. They wouldn't do it at the same time as the Republican memo, but now they're letting it out there. Will Trump approve this one as well? I don't know. Reports uh, have come out in the last couple of hours that he likely will, but I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, Trump tweeted out this week about Adam Schiff, who is the ranking member on the House Intel Committee. Little Adam Schiff, who is desperate to run for higher office, is one of the biggest liars and leakers in Washington, right up there with Comey, Warner, Brennan, and Clapper. Adam leaves – I love how he calls him by his first name. Adam leaves closed-door committee hearings to illegally leak confidential information must be stopped. So again, here the president of the United States is accusing a sitting member of Congress as being an illegal leaker. Wonderful. I, I'm channeling Richard Nixon there. Oh, I don't like what these people are doing to Dick Nixon. Oh. I don't know. These leaks must be stopped. Get the plumbers. <laughs> um, Devin Nunes is going all in on Trump. He's, I guess he has nothing to lose at this point. Uh, he was on Fox uh, earlier this week or over, over the weekend, I think, and said, as far as we can tell, Papadopoulos never even knew who Trump was, never even met with the president. Well, there's a photo of them together in a meeting. So sorry, Nunes, you're, you're either stupid or you're a liar. I don't know which is worse. We're forgetting here that the Trump team doesn't believe in fact. They don't believe in things that can be proven. 
But there's even an audio of an interview, audio of an interview with Trump in 2016, where he's listing people who are going to be in his foreign policy team. He mentions Carter Page, and he also says George Papadopoulos. He's an energy and oil consultant, excellent guy. Now people have been pointing off that he's reading off a list, but he still said their names out loud. He still knows something about these people. You can't say that he has no idea who these people are. Listen, Jess, there was an audio recording of the president saying some choice words that gave us the name for this podcast too, and that didn't stop him. Well, Miriam Barry was on on tape doing crack and then said, bitch, set me up. Set me they, up. They still elected him to Ward 8 as a councilman. And I, I think he was past being governor or mayor of D.C. at that point. So I guess yeah, people don't care about these things, depending on who they are. It's, it's amazing. Uh, you, things that in previous years would have been you know, a, a career killer in the age of Trump. It's just another it's a it's a it's a Thursday. It's a Tuesday. Tuesdays are slow news days. <laughs> Uh, so uh, Trump's lawyers uh, are, you know, walking back some things that Trump said a week or two ago. Uh, you remember when Trump said, "Oh yeah, I'll be happy to meet with Robert Mueller." Uh, surprise, surprise, that's probably going to change. Uh, the New York Times is Michael Schmidt and Maggie Haberman actually reported that his lawyers are concerned that the president, who has a history of making false statements and contradicting himself, could be charged with lying to investigators. John Dowd, a longtime Washington defense lawyer who was hired by Bush, excuse me, by Mr. Trump over the summer, uh, wants to rebuff an interview request as Mr. as do Mr. Dowd's deputy and many West Wing advisors, according to four people. Uh, the lawyers and aides believe the special counsel might be unwilling to subpoena the president and set off a showdown with the White House that Mr. Mueller could lose in court. So they're just betting that that Mueller won't have the balls left for the president. I I wouldn't bet on that. Ah, and even his lawyers know, man. The guy's got a history of making false statements and contradicting himself. They don't want him to testify. We've heard him in in hearings, and he gets a little less crazy. And he goes, "Well, you know, I, maybe I'm not sure." Like they go, "You said that a thousand people work for this business. Well, that's something like that. Could it be five hundred? Yeah, maybe that could be right. You know, he suddenly gets a little more modest when it comes to these things when you're under oath." Uh, so uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see that that president going forward. I don't know. So before we get to Kevin's corner, Kevin, I, I wanted to add my two cents in here. Uh, every once in a while, when something really grates me, I, f- I feel the need to put in my own version of Kevin's corner, which we've called Jesse's Judgment. You can feel free to give me a better a name for that. That's all I could think of with the alliteration of J's. I think it works very well. <laughs> um, you know, I spent a lot of time over the last week really being upset. I actually was at work feeling sick to my stomach. Uh, it started when Andrew McCabe announced his retirement. Uh, it got a lot of, a lot worse later in the week when Trump, after being asked if he was likely to fire Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and whether he had any confidence in him, answered, you figure that one out. Uh, on Friday, Trump tweeted out, the top leadership and investigators of the FBI and the Justice Department have politicized the sacred investigative process in favor of Democrats and against Republicans. Now, you take all that... And you add in the firing of James Comey last year and the constant rumors that Trump wants to get rid of Jeff Sessions at different times. In my opinion, we're seeing Trump's attempt to purge the DOJ, to purge the FBI of anybody who's not loyal to him. This is the United States of America, Kevin. These civil servants aren't supposed to be loyal to one person, even if that one person is a president. They're supposed to be loyal to our country. And that means going against the president when he's wrong or when he's acting unlawfully. Well, that's not how Trump sees things. You're either with him or you're against him. You either do what he says or you're a traitor. And what he's trying to do right now, to me, is very dangerous. It's what we criticize other world leaders for doing. Uh, And right now, the GOP is letting him get away with it. Uh, The only Republicans who are speaking up are the ones who are retiring. Country will always be more important than party. 
or at least it should always be more important than party, the way things are going. That's not the case. Now, maybe Trump is guilty in the Russia scandal. Maybe he's not. But his attempted abuse of power is very, very real, and I just hope that Congress, the courts, people in his own administration and you, our listeners, I hope you don't let him get away with it because it has to be stopped. Well, I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly there, you know, and you know, I think you'll find with, with my own words that I feel very similarly and that, uh, you know, that's why we do what we do. That's why we put out this podcast on a weekly basis, because we want to hold the president accountable. So yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, bud. Thanks, Kevin. And now on to your show. Here's Kevin's Corner. Well, Jesse, uh, I'd like to first start out by saying a special thank you to my wife for staying home and taking care of my son who has the flu today. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate everything that she does for me and for the kids. But now on to the business of the day. The decision of the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court to order a redrawing of state congressional districts has highlighted two critical issues currently facing our nation. Voters often complain that the presidential elections are rigged due to the electoral college's process of choosing the president. However, fewer realize and argue the effects that gerrymandering congressional districts has on the legislative process. The House of Representatives is meant to be the branch of government closest to the people, and yet, with districts drawn to benefit incumbents of a specific party, the power is taken out of the hands of the electorate. This is an unfortunate miscarriage of justice. But perhaps the more concerning problem to come of all this, however, is the attempt being made by Pennsylvania State Representative Chris Dush to garner support for the impeachment of five justices who ruled that the districts be redrawn. The practice of trying to silence those who disagree with the party in power is a threat to democracy that is not stopping with the president. We must be careful not to accept this practice and to allow it to become pervasive in our American democratic fabric. This is America. We stand for justice, for what is right, political party notwithstanding. As usual, Kevin, we're on the same page here. And just a little uh, breaking news, Steve Wynn facing uh, sexual assault charges, or, or at least accusations, has stepped down from the uh, organization named after him, Wynn. So that's another black eye for the Trump administration. I don't know. Oh, well, that's enough for this week. I'm sure, as we said earlier, we'll have lots to talk about next week when it comes to the government. I mean, as you said, the president hopes we, we shut down, which is an insane thing for the president to say. Uh, hopefully we get some kind of deal on immigration that isn't giving up the farm to the to Trump and his wall. Uh, we'll, we'll be back here in, in seven days or so and hopefully have the answers and hopefully the answers we want to hear. Until then, Kevin, it's a pleasure as always. We'll see you next week. Later. Later.